everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. I am so excited to introduce you to Jeffrey Marsh, my friend who is a creator, a performer, a singer. And I also want to say simultaneous to this, I'm posting the video of our conversation up on YouTube. Uh, it doesn't include this intro. This intro has no video. But uh, on YouTube, you can see us talking to each other. And I just have to say, Jeffrey has the kind of voice that is just so soothing. It's like Jeffrey brings you into the emotional experience of butter melting. You know what I mean? Like just some comfort and sweetness, right? So that's just the voice, which you'll get on this podcast, but also a visual experience, uh, outfits, accessories, um, during the, so before I ever record a podcast, I'm usually, uh, you know, zooming with the person I'm about to record with. And typically there's always good conversation before (laughs) we start rolling. And I just couldn't stop gushing about Jeffrey's accessories. And um, anyway, so I just, I love that. So that's on YouTube if you want to hang out with us over there. Um, But I just really want to draw your attention to Jeffrey's amazing book, How to Be You. This book, I have to say, I think this book is like five years old, um, but it's still just as relevant now. In fact, perhaps even made for March 2021. I think it's really made for this time where we've been in a quarantine for almost an entire year. There is truly something to the gender universe that can start unfolding in you when you're not performing every day for a whole bunch of people. Um, And I really think gender is a performance. And I think woman and man are just two planets in a universe of gender, right? Like gender is so much. And like, I love how Jeffrey is just the kind of person who has been willing to be uh, different and also I think indicates um, the most beautiful thing that you can be, which is exactly yourself, right? And when you're willing to be different, once you like really step into the place of spiritual alignment and just truly being your true self all the time, it's a sense of freedom that I think most people never get because they're afraid of it. They're afraid of stepping into like who they really are, right? Um, Jeffrey writes in How to Be You, um, fear is your best indication that you're headed in the right direction. When something threatens your status quo, when something looks like it might promise a big change, it will come with fear. Fear is a natural instinct and there is nothing wrong with it per se, but the proportion of fear is usually way out of whack. And I just think this is a time when you've had the experience of whatever year you had, to check in with yourself and really be like, who are you now, right? So the book, How to Be You, um, is available from all the booksellers. Um, I will put a link uh, in the show notes below the episode to my through my Amazon link. So I earn like 3% of what you uh, spend on your book. But hey, it's it, every little bit counts and it all goes towards my cat litter. Um, <laughs> that's what I, that's pretty much what I buy on Amazon. Uh, anyway, so, but... This book, I think, is going to be a roadmap back to ourselves, and Jeffrey has so kindly offered to be a guest of honor at a Zoom book club, so I'm going to put that in my Patreon feed. So Patreon is a membership support site where folks like you can support creators like me who create work that's valuable to you and nourishes you in some way. Um, 
my Patreon has different benefits. Uh, at the $2 and $5 level, you can support the podcast, support all the content I make in the world. Plus, you get uh, access to all of my Zoom aerobics classes, which are on Saturdays, plus special events. There's also special events like this one with Jeffrey Marsh, uh, a little book club with How to Be You. So you're going to get the book. You're going to read it. You're going to do some journaling prompts. It's a part memoir, part, like, essays about like how to just like live out your truth and then you know questions to ask yourself so you can kind of go along um developing who you are there's a practice jeffrey has i'll just even say it here a practice of a daily joy list so every day you just write down three things that make you joyful and then once a week look at it uh and just kind of review it and notice what feelings come up um uh, it's pretty amazing once you start recognizing what actually creates your joy um versus like getting stuck in all of the things that other people are telling you you're supposed to feel, right? So that's all part of Patreon. We can, you can join the book club. Um, we also have a Discord server now. I have now, I haven't been on Discord until this week, uh, but I had a Patreon supporter offer to help me set up and I, I am here to receive help and to learn how to receive help. Um, asking for help is a sign of strength. And when someone smart offers to walk you through doing a technological thing, uh, you say, absolutely. And so we hopped on a Zoom. It was so delightful. And I set up a Discord server. And now people are introducing themselves from the Patreons. We're making a little club over there. It's like it's kind of like if you're from the AOL days, like dial-up internet days, it's like a chat room or a message forum, just where you kind of leave messages introducing yourself. We might do a movie night because there's a also some sort of feature where you can watch things together. I haven't done it, but I think it's possible. Anyway, we're doing all sorts of things over at the Patreon. Patreon.com slash FKDP. And of course, flagship membership is my on-demand aerobics class. Fat Kid Dance Party is the aerobics class I created for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, felt too awkward, or been called too fat, then this is the supportive class for you. Uh, I want to just bring you into a dance aerobics class where we celebrate the body you have today, not the body you had 10 years ago, not the body you think you should have, just this body that you have today, a kind of celebration of the miracle of you. Uh, and all of those classes, there's a 10-minute, 20-minute, two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, and a 45-minute canna-size class. That's an aerobics class for an optional cannabis experience with slower choreography. Uh, all of that is available at the $25 a month level, which includes the Zoom aerobics classes and bonus class and, and the book group, of course, with Jeffrey and all that plus bonus classes. My, a couple of my body positive aerobics friends and I have been swapping videos so, uh, you can enjoy somebody else too. Right. So I'm really trying to like make this a super valuable membership, uh, patreon.com slash FKDP. I hope you, uh, just know how thankful I am to be able to do this work and to live this life and to just get to be me, Bevan, and serve you and figure out how to serve your needs. Um, so I hope you snuggle in onto the virtual porch with me and Jeffrey. I want you to imagine uh, we're on wicker furniture and pull up your uh, most treasured childhood blanket over your lap and cozy up with a cup of tea and meet Jeffrey. And here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Jeffrey Marsh. Hello. Yes. <laughs> so excited you to said, have you. You said you were going to shout and you were correct. <laughs> you, you exclaimed. You threw your hands up in the air. It's how so excited. it's an energy, right? Greeting people is an energy. And I try to really give it my own. 
I agree. Well, that's that's the thing I like about you. You do everything 100%, right? And it's not that you always have to be a sustained level because I've known you so long, I've seen you at different sort of energy levels, Mm -hmm. but if you are committed to something, you go full force. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you committed to the intro today. I I commit, see, here's the thing. (laughs) I give a hundred percent to my podcast, my aerobics classes, like the things where I know I really am- Dance parties. Right, dance parties, right? But like things I give 80% to, video editing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I should have thought of that. Um, Yeah, that's right. Well, I have those those couple things too. But anyway, I think what I was trying to say was I appreciated it. I liked the energy to start it. I'm glad, I'm glad. It's so funny because I I learned my intro uh, because I was trying to figure out how am I going to start things? And I noticed that both Dolly Parton and Andy Cohen say, hey, everybody to welcome and start things off. And I was like, good enough for me. I'm going to have to watch. I mean, I bet they say it very differently. Yes. They, do. <laughs> they say the same thing, but differently. Yeah. Yeah. And different from you, probably. Yes. And the same spirit, though, which is really just a welcoming and a convening. Um, Jeffrey, you are yes. an extraordinary. Human. Don't change the subject. What? Oh, you, you were going to compliment me and talk yes. about me. And that's fine. <laughs> that you may do. Okay. Jeffrey, you're an extraordinary human. You have the unique quality of being able to create connection with people you've never met before through the internet. And I think that's really, mm. and, and not just the internet too, you're also a profound writer. Um, and I'm just like- through the, through the camera and through the page, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like yeah. you give, you're, and also you're just such a, a beautiful actor. And like, and so it's like you, you make these things uh, like videos on the internet or whatever you do, you like put your whole heart into it. And like, and bring all that feeling to the surface. And it's it's like a good song. You know what I mean? When I see your videos and see your content, like it's like mm. something that stirs in me that brings something alive. Um, I don't know. It, I don't even know what my question is about that. I just want to no, know. About- I have a response. Yes. Even yes. though you didn't ask a question. <laughs> and I know, you'll, I know you'll have a lot of good things to say about this. There is a sense of giving yourself legitimacy. Mm. Because I, you know, and you could say giving yourself permission, but it's not really like that. It's, it's the realization I had a couple of years ago that I, I've been geared toward, I wanted to be a TV star, et cetera, et cetera. And then I woke up and realized, well, like you, I've had viral videos that have actually been seen by many more people than watch a particular TV show, right? Mm-hmm. So if what I was looking for was impact, changing lives, making people feel good, right? Making those connections, as you said. If that's what I was looking for, well, I did it. So how does that inform what what I wanna do next, right? Do I have to keep striving to wanna do a TV show if I've done this sort of backdoor way that, you know, I have affected lives? You know what I'm saying? I 100% actually, (laughs) it's so interesting. this podcast exists because I wanted to have a talk show. And I thought about mm. what is it about a talk show that lights me up and how can I do that in the circumstances I have now? Cause I don't have producers coming in and, and handling things for me. And to be honest, do I even want a talk show? Like definitely, I, I made a decision a long time ago. It's not gonna be a daily cause I don't have that. Cause I can't flesh, I can't 
read that many books. I can't talk to that many people from a place of genuine connection. Um, and frankly, I'm just wordy. I like having these long conversations where we really dig in and get to the heart of things. And it's not just like celebrities like chatting. And I also, it, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with celebrities chatting, but like there's something wrong in our society where people's worth is measured by fame and celebrity and not about mm -hmm. wisdom or impact, which I think are way more important to me. And I'd rather talk to wise people who care about impacting the world. Yeah, or even connection or, you know, there are people who do it well, obviously, but that talk show genre is really full of, well, as you're saying, you're under time constraints. So you sort of can't really get super deep with people, but there's also a like quick fix, you know, I'm going to fix what's wrong with you, um, all the way to like diet culture and like relationship toxicity and all, you know, all this stuff wrapped into what makes it marketable and universal, right? In the minds of, um, I don't know if you know who Trixie Mattel is. Oh is yeah. A drag queen, yeah. yeah. Well, Trixie, since Trixie was on RuPaul's Drag Race and, and now does YouTube, talks about the difference. That when you're on TV, if you wanna do anything, eight cis hat white guys have to say it's okay, right? And comprehend it and then say it's okay, right? But if it's your own YouTube channel, you can do whatever you want. So you're really speaking my language uh, right now. Because yeah, I think that's what we both do. It is it really is what we both do. We're both people I think who believe that we have something to say in the world, who have gone through the fire and lived and evaluated those lessons and just want to teach other people how to get through the fire in a more fireproof suit, you know? Mm. Right? If we're gonna wow. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, that's deep. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey, will you, this is something we've talked about before, but I definitely want to like bring it into this space. Will you describe the difference between being nice and being kind? Oh, sure. They're actually almost polar opposites, but we are programmed to think that they're the same thing. Um, being nice would be fulfilling whatever the, now, can I talk in like a Buddhist way? You can talk in whatever what way. There's no censors. There's no white guy telling us what to do on my podcast. There's no eight white guys. <laughs> there's no eight white guys. <laughs> um, yeah, in a Buddhist way, I would say nice is meant to placate other people's egos. And kind is usually kind can look like the opposite in that it is setting boundaries around how much ego is able to be in charge mm. of your life and other people's lives. Yes. So really like you can't treat me that way might be the kindest thing to say to someone. Especially if it sparks, you know, an internal something revolution in them. But it's, you know, it's for you, it's not for them. Yeah. And it's also like, I think sometimes we forget that when we're setting boundaries, it feels scary because we don't want to hurt other people. But like kind is like about what I need to be me, right? Boundaries are about like setting up space for me so that there's lots of space for you. And like really recognizing mm. like how little other people's space really has to do with who you are and what you're doing in the world. Right. And Right. Yes. 
No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go. Well, I also think boundaries, when you set your boundaries, it's permission giving to other people to have their boundaries and to think about that. And we live in a society where people are not taught how to understand their own boundaries. We're really like just traumatized people, traumatized by other traumatized people. Um, the, the thing that disarms most things for me now yep. is just visualizing everyone as a five-year-old because that's usually like where everyone got stunted. <laughs> I got stuck. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I did a TikTok today about, you know, you may want to, <laughs> you may want to begin that healing process sooner rather than later because your trauma might not have just taken your very young years away from you. Mm -hmm. It may have also taken your teens, your 20s, your 30s, while you're trying to fight against something that's not your fault, right? Yeah. But I, I, I'm so glad you brought up boundaries because I get, well, there are two things I want to tell you. I get in trouble sometimes for, because um, the work I do is sort of oftentimes helping people heal from bad parenting, mm. to just put it bluntly. And so I can get in trouble sometimes that it seems like I'm blaming the parents, but it really is, it would be foolish to blame the parents because you'd also have to blame the grandparents, the great grandparents and how, you know, how back, how far back do you want to go, right? This, the whole point of intergenerational trauma is that it's been happening for so long. And the people that really get it are the ones that realize that they, even if they're 50, are probably still working on things from when they were a kid too. If they're working on things, which hopefully some people- If they're working on things. <laughs> I have to say like something I recently kind of realized about intergenerational trauma is that even as we're interrupting generational curses, right? Like if you choose to live your life in your lane, right? Like just choosing not to receive like me, I went to law school because I loved my mom and I wanted loving love and belonging. And I really believed that like somehow being a lawyer was going to bring all of that. It didn't, it's, it's, didn't work yourself, out. Save, mm. Anybody out there, save yourself the hundred. LSATs did not bring you acceptance. It, brought me, <laughs> it gave me something to do and uh, some loans to take out. Well, I worked, here's the worst part is I worked the whole time. So it's like, it's not even like oh. a break from like hustle. I was hustling. Right. And then it didn't bring, it, it gave me a lot of illness, mental and physical illness. Uh, and now yeah. that I don't do it, but like, wow, what a lot of time I spent when I could have been spending that time on like personal development and like communication skills and leadership skills, things that would have really helped me actually achieve my personal potential. Cause it wasn't being great at being a lawyer was not Bevan's personal potential. It was just the thing I was uh, good at. Yes. <laughs> And it's so interesting because when you are a spiritual vibe in person, you can devote yourself to something and be relatively good at almost anything. Yeah. And I find that because your whole heart is in it, right? And I find that sometimes to be my downfall because every day job I've had, I've been the best darn employee that they've ever had. And I never realized, oh, I could, I could hire myself. Yeah. to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing on this earth and not giving it to the day job, right? So anyway, I said I wanted to tell you two things and I meant it. The other thing that I wanted to say is so many people seem to misunderstand boundaries as a concept. 
And like anything, people will use any concept for self-hate in service of judging themselves. So people, as far as I can tell, tend to view, and I wanna hear your experience if you've noticed this, tend to feel like boundaries are some sort of like sign of strength, that if you can't set boundaries with people, you're weak and awful or something. And so they run around feeling like I can't set boundaries and I'm nervous or I'm not good at it, not because you haven't done it much, or because you don't have the tools, right? Reasonable things, but because there's something wrong with you, right? Yeah. And I, I also, the other thing I want your response on is other people, is people tend to also think that boundaries are a way to um, be mean and cruel. And like we were talking about, it's not necessarily, it's, it's maybe the kindest thing to everyone involved it's so interesting because i think people the one thing that's really helped me with dealing with that is like honestly just learning to see everyone as just kind of going through what they're going through and understanding that boundaries don't have to be fixed they're not a wall they're kind of a gate um and mm. the more i experience someone respecting my boundaries the more i trust them and the boundaries can dissolve and so Ooh, many, i love that right like and i think I was just talking to a friend last night about how like boundaries, sometimes you set really strong boundaries because you really don't trust yourself. Um, Cause especially if you're like a caregiver and you're used to being like over the, the same. Okay, so I was great as a nine to five employee roughly, right? Um, I vowed to myself, I was never gonna care about someone else's business more than they cared about it after like the third or fourth oh, business I worked for went out of business, right? Like that just again and again, people letting their businesses just, die because they didn't care about it as much as me, their employee. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're going to do our own thing now. And, um, but like, you know, just kind of recognizing that like boundaries can shift and change. And also the more you really develop your sense of self and you develop your sense of like self-trust, I think, I mean, I now kind of have rockstar boundaries because I'm like pretty clear when there's a yuck on like behavior. <laughs> And like, that's a toxic thing for me. It's no thanks for me, but like really bringing my full wholehearted self to situations that kind of sets a tone. So I don't tend to deal with the bullshit I used to because oh I'm yes, better at setting my own tone, I guess, or convening, I don't know. No, and that's another thing that people don't realize is that your relationship to boundaries, you'll like any skill on earth, you'll get better at it over time. Mm -hmm. So people assume that it's this torturous thing people. I should be really specific. I work with a lot of traumatized folks and LGBTQ folks and not to lump everyone together, but we tend to stay quiet and let everybody walk all over us um, <laughs> for various reasons. And one of the assumptions is boundaries are a very difficult thing and I'm going to screw up and it's going to be exactly that way forever. Mm. When, as you're pointing out, you try it, you screw up a little bit, you, you have to explain again, and then you, you do feel mean, they say you're mean, you go through all the things, but eventually you just get a real nice rhythm of, I will do this, won't do that. <laughs> you can do this, you, can, you can't do that, you know, where those boundaries are. Yeah. You just get a better sense over time. Yeah, and also it helps people feel safe around you because they know what to expect. Like. I found the more emotionally and mentally stable I am, 
the more people mm. trust that I'm who I'm going to be and how I'm going to be when I show up with them, the more authentic I am, the more people trust me because I, I mean, honestly, authenticity is way easier than being a fake or a liar. Uh, yeah, there's no pressure. <laughs> there's only one way to be you and that's you and then as you and and also knowing that you're constantly developing just like as you're developing boundaries it's like learning how to walk you fall a lot until eventually you're walking right and it's and walking is honestly trusting yourself not to fall because you're throwing yourself off balance the physical process of walking throw yourself off balance catch yourself with your other foot and like you just get used to it it's just like driving driving scary at first you get used to it boundaries are scary Ooh, yeah. at first you're gonna vibe lots of people out of your life, but you if you're not changing your friends, you're not growing. Could not you all say your that friends. again. If you're not Could changing you say your that friends, again. if it, like if your friend groups are not like naturally falling out. Um, no, I understood. I just yeah, you're not to growing. hear it again and enjoy it. Yeah, if you're not changing hmm. your friends, you're not growing. That is so delightful. Um, yeah, and we, especially traumatized people, we tend to feel like we have to be friends with everybody. Oh yeah. Fight, right? There's fight. such a fear of rejection. Yeah. And it's fight, flight, freeze, appease. And when you get really good at that appease part, then everyone's your friend and nobody is, is unsafe because everyone's your friend, but then you're always, if you have to be nice in order to make that all happen, you're, you're violating your self-trust because you're not really yourself. Um, you know what I call it? Flight, fight, freeze, or fawn. Oh. Fawn all over someone. So if you want to do F. Uh -huh. Oh, oh, okay. I like an alliteration. But appease rhymes with freeze. So that's good too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's the energy. We just want to, you know, I just saw something in your wisdom that I don't think I've ever seen before that we're encouraged to be a fake. And there's sort of, three things operating, but we're aware of two of them. Meaning we have our real self, the core of who we are that we can't be. And then we have the fake self, the persona that we're sort of showing the world or you know, the one that sits above or over or whatever, shells this one. But I think what most people don't realize is there's a third factor in there, which is the self-hate. There's like behind the whole scenes, like, you have to do this because you're disgusting, right? Yes. Which is this kind of pervasive energy that we were taught and was built, you know, for us as our foundation that we need to rip out and rebuild. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you this question just because I think you're kind of an expert at it in this area. Um, and I wow. think a, a lot of I'll people- I'll try to appease. Okay, great. And I just want your truth. I really, we don't do anything. Uh, <laughs> but the, so I think in this amazing, unprecedented time, this great pause that we're in, um, without people needing to be out in society as much, right? Like we're not, we don't have school places. We don't have workplaces the way we used to. People are able to be more with themselves. And I know that's torture for some, but growth for others. And out of people's day-to-day -day expectations of performance, I think a lot more genuine gender is bubbling up to the surface for many people. 
Uh, so I'm yep. curious, what is your definition of gender? And like, what has been your perception of like this kind of gender wave that we're on uh, from quarantine to roll over into the roaring 20s? Well, Lord knows what gender is. I really couldn't tell you. Um, even though I've been doing this work for such a long time. So I'm non-binary and I use they, them pronouns. And what you make me think of is the she, they movement mm. right now. There are a whole bunch of people who were she, hers, who in the pandemic are now coming out as she, they. Meaning, you know, and I don't want to speak for them, but, you know, from what they've told me, that she is okay and they is okay for them. And it really, the friends that I know and the, the folks I interact with on social media who tell me about it, it really seems like they're idea of who they are, their gender, is softening and expanding and blurring. And the pronouns are really a sign of that process. And you said it really brilliantly. It is directly linked to the fact that they don't have to perform their gender at work. They, if they're performing their gender at home on Zoom, it's only from the waist up. Exactly. So, right, the she and then they is the waist down. No. <laughs> but I think people are having this newfound freedom because they didn't realize people like us, us non-binary and trans folks, we, we realized. But there's just this incredible pressure to fulfill your gender perfectly. And it has to do with the patriarchy and misogyny and lots of different stuff. But there really is so many people, um, it's just so eloquent. So many people speak about deciding how to present themselves in the world and who that's for. Whether that's wearing makeup or whatever that is, deciding what to wear, right? And that's for people of all genders. There's this process of deciding how to present your gender that people now are more aware of because they don't have to do it as much. And I would project they're enjoying that freedom. I think that freedom is probably what, my favorite definition of spiritual alignment, like how it feels is a jolly yeah. free fall. So like the free fall part jolly of jolly free fall, a jolly free fall. So you feel yeah. jolly, like it's like an excitement and it's a joy, but like beyond that, right? Like celebratory jolly, right? But also free fall, which means uncertainty, which means you don't know where you're going to land and the acceleration is giant and it's risky, right? You don't know how people are going to react or respond to you. And you have to decide whether that matters to you and how that matters. And it's such a great time. I'm and for me, like I even kind of, expanded my notion of my own gender like I just was like I realized in all these places where we're introducing pronouns I'm like what what matters more to me is that people know I'm a safe place so for me my pronoun is you can't get my pronoun wrong you know like it's like you yeah. can't get it wrong it's just it's whatever I feel like I'm in the gender galaxy I'm clearly like very influenced by <laughs> Miss Piggy and Dolly Parton <laughs> But like, the gender multiverse, the gender multiverse, the gender multiverse, uh, exactly. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And you said Miss Piggy and Wonder Woman, you said Dolly Parton, although there is a little one. Oh, Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? 
Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of people think of Dolly as a paragon of womanhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? But I don't see her that way at all. I mean, I just see her being her true self, which is someone who likes nails and wigs and makeup. And Do you know? Yes, I do. And to me, those things don't, aren't tied to womanhood in my head. So it's just Dolly being Dolly, you know? Yes, absolutely. I feel like it's Miss like- Piggy's the same way. Miss Piggy is totally the same way. And something that's really interesting that I love about Jojo Siwa is that I think she really embodies yes. the more you are yourself, the more you give permission to other people. And I'm just doing this gesture because I teach it at Fact Dance Party when I do one of her songs. It's this big, it's a pointing to yourself. The more you are yourself, the more you give permission. And that's a sweeping gesture, right? You're just like, I'm doing me and I'm giving you permission by virtue of doing me to do you. And that's exactly what Dolly's been doing for 50 years. And like, I love, I can't wait to see Jojo like in her arc because she's so charismatic and joyful that like, I feel like she's going to have, and, and she's in a position of coming out at 17 years old as a child, child entertainment star, which is huge. Um, and I'm excited. And Nickelodeon was like, yes. Nickelodeon was like, Here's a glitter rainbow bouquet. I'm like, nobody sent me a balloon bouquet when I came out. <laughs> It's not too late. You could still get one in the mail. Send, I'm going to send you a coming out balloon bouquet. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it'll it'll be like it. 20 years late, but here it is. <laughs> Mylar. No, I love it. And and you're you're absolutely right. It gives permission. And of course, people who are phobic are afraid of that permission. Because they're scared. They're, it's, I mean, yeah. phobia is just fear. And that's so sad because they're just limiting who they can love based on fear. Uh, yeah, limiting how much they can love themselves too. Also, and most importantly. <laughs> <laughs> and actually what they can love. Mm. Yeah. Right? If something as innocuous as the color pink, it like gives you apoplexy to think about liking it or to think about the fact that anyone knows you like it I mean, that's a whole lot of hurt you've got going on there. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Sad. Just look at Dolly. I know, Dolly. I find um, it's so weird, and I don't know if you find this, but I am not Christian, and my parents were Christian, and I was raised Christian and it was not a good time at all. I was told Jesus doesn't love you and it was traumatizing. And, but whenever Dolly Parton talks about Jesus, I just feel like, yeah, you know, that really kind of makes sense to me, <laughs> you know? There's just something about how soft and sweet her spirituality is that's really magnetizing and healing. Yes. Even even though it's this religion that is is really difficult for me personally, you yeah. know. I do. I think she's like what I love about Dolly is she's very much beyond religiosity and she's into the personal mm. spirituality of it. Um, even though like it's so interesting because like Christian dogma like wants to snap onto Jesus, but like if you just look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus loves sex workers, uh, people. like what Jesus said. Yeah, nonconformist. <laughs> like Jesus was the yeah. original nonconformist. Jesus, I think, just like running around in the desert with like twelve guys, like that to me seems like more like a radical fairy and less like a, a Burning Man. Yeah, yeah like a Burning Man, like sort. Of, 
like I feel like Jesus is real queer in so many ways and I just like am like really y'all are like putting a lot of power and hegemony into uh something that was always nonconformist from the very beginning yeah and I think it's it's how she approaches it <clears throat> how she approaches it and how she talks about it that seals the deal because she'll say I'm gonna I'm gonna sing a song about Jesus. And right away I go, oh God, here we go. Jesus this, Jesus that. And she'll start singing and it's like, oh God, you know, because it's the heart of the matter. And I, I'm also just realizing talking to you that it's kind of healing because I never got that echo of my childhood in that way, mm. in such a loving way. So it's really nice, it's really sweet. It's so, I mean, I think it's really like the way I think that putting little kids in Weight Watchers is child abuse. I think that creating Christian dogma and stay, and withholding God's love based on behavior. Based is, on what and what and what. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's abuse, I think, because you're separating them from themselves and from, and from God's love and from the experience of their own body, right? Like it's just, I, I know parents are always doing what they think is best and doing the best with what they can. Um, but also knowing, you know, every generation does its best to like rise a little bit higher than the last generation, right? So it's like, um, and there's stuff, I, you know, I've done a lot of healing work. I'm still excited to have kids someday. And like, I hope I don't pass on toxic stuff to them, but I know there's stuff that I haven't caught in the, in their, and in their healing, they'll, they'll heal stuff, right? So. Of course. Yeah, of course. And the one thing that you were sort of implying, but I want to just call out is that in the process of withholding God's love, you're also withholding your parental love. Because mm, yeah. the implication is, you know, God doesn't love you. And therefore I can't either because I'm with God, you know? Yeah. And that's a, that's a real, that's a real tragedy too. It really is. Um, Jeffrey, will you tell me a little bit about you're growing up and growing up different because I know I always ask the people on my podcast did you grow up different I know you wrote a whole book about it so and it's a great book. <laughs> <laughs> only book I've ever kept in my public in my guest bathroom specifically because I just wanted people to page through it and want it for themselves and buy it like literally the only book I've ever put out just because I wanted people to know it exists can I confess something to you that I've never said before yeah I kind of wrote it for that purpose specifically being able to pick it up anywhere and just like find a page and be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, for two minutes while you're on the toilet. So you got it. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I, I, whenever I give an interview, it's usually a question that is asked in a different kind of way. So you're coming at it with a lot of heart and with a sense of connection because you were a different kid too. Mm -hmm. And interviewers will sometimes ask, when did you know you were different? As a way of sort of like othering me as a big old queer, right? And when I, when I sense that energy, I would say, well, I'm not different. I'm, you know, a human being like everyone else and, you know, give that whole spiel. Mm -hmm. But I think you're pointing at something like, what is it like to be someone that society does not encourage. Yeah. What is it like to be someone who is an issue for your parents? Ugh. 
yes. <laughs> that they were not prepared for, right? Yes. What's it like to be raised by people who did not have the tools or the skills or even the context to understand what they were doing? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and again, and that's not, that's not blaming my mom and dad. That's just, they, you know, the only thing my mom had to go with was Rock Hudson is dying of AIDS right now. And so my kid's going to die, right? That's the only energy that she could could even deal with, right? Or you could even have a context of. Um, so the, the time that I told my mom, I was 11 years old. And we were in the car and she ran the car off the road and we almost, well, I mean, it's dramatic probably to say we almost died, but we went into a ditch. Wow. And as an 11 year old kid, your mom swerving the car off the road because you said who you are was a really powerful um, piece of trauma to carry with me for the rest of my life. And that's the interesting thing about you and me, if I may compliment you. We are told that we're the outcasts. But just from stories you've told me and from the life that I've lived, we're also this we these weirdly, incredibly powerful people that can walk into a room and put everybody, it, I'll speak for myself because I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I can walk into a room and I could as a child, I could walk into a room and be so queer that everyone would be put on edge. So in a way I could just do be me which took almost no effort and all the adults would react to that. And I never realized how ironic it was that I felt so alone and so outside, but yet there was, there must be such power in it because they want to stop it. Do you know? I never recognized that I had power as a child, even though I think that's exactly what everyone was reacting to. I, I recognize this years later. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's wild. And what's interesting is like the thing that I preach the most now, and I honestly, I mean, to be very honest, I feel like I'm, my life is a ministry and that everything I do is a ministry. Like I couldn't, I run back and dance party as a business, but it's really a ministry. It's like, I'm there. Mm -hmm, I know it's as meaningful to me to be in a class with one person as it is to be in a class with a hundred people. Like, it's like anyone who's there to hear my heart and dance with me, that's what we're doing. And the thing I say in almost every class, if not every class, is that everyone is one in infinity. There's only going to be one of you in all of time and space. You're alive in 2021 for a reason. Your dreams matter. They're the little mustard seeds. This is what Dolly taught me about faith. It's just faith the size of a mustard seed. They're your little mustard seeds that are given to you specifically. Everyone has different dreams and everyone has a different notion of what success is for them. And like to live out your life for you and in your purpose is the most sacred thing you can do. And like, that's something nobody I think is really taught growing up, especially. And so that's like, uh, for yeah. me being different, it always felt so dangerous. Um, and then eventually I began to accept that I was different. And then, and I found like a real home in like an identity of queer fat and femme. Like I found people that really helped to mm -hmm. make that safe for me. But then as I got more different than just that, when I got spiritual and wanted to talk openly about God, like the queer community is not so God friendly. It's not so faith friendly. And like when I got open about- I think, 
yes use. like cannabis use is another like level of stigma right where i think cannabis is actually something that is here to heal us <laughs> heal from trauma like and and you know what i mean it's just all these outs and outs and outs and i was like yep. i'm different amongst yep. the different amongst the different that must must be a sign <laughs> we're supposed to do this 100 percent. and people are so tribal yes and it is so um it's just heartbreaking to me. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's just so sad sometimes, not just for me personally, but for, for you, right? For people who, who are so uh, broad and open and delightful that they check a lot of boxes and people that are in these boxes don't like those boxes, but you check them both, you know? And it's just this separating out of, of people that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, I think- yeah, I'm right there with you. You just got to find the people who light you up and also know, again, if you're not growing, you're not changing the people who light you up. Right. So you got to just kind of keep connecting and seeing who's lighting you up. And like, I think something that's been profound that I learned in quarantine that has applied is like, you only really need one or two spaces in your life where you really fully belong as your authentic self. And you can bring that, the, the tribal thing that humans need, humans are a social species. We had like, like physiologically, we want to be in a group of about 200 interconnected, supportive people, right? Like that's what a tribe is for humans. Um, and when you have a couple of spaces where you can show up as your authentic self and that's like where you, the, your well, right? The well that you go to, you can go out into the rest of your life, your workplace, the grocery store, wherever, and just interact with humans. And you don't need them to be a safe space for you because you have your safe space. And so you are the safe space, or at least that's how I experience it. I am the safe space everywhere I go. I belong in every room I enter. And like, there's only a couple spaces where I feel like I, I can be my full self where people are really there and supportive. And that's, that does well for me. And I think that seems, it seems right. Like just based on hearing that, that quote that you only need a couple spaces. I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Well, you make me think of the spaces that you and I go into where people are just kind of slack jawed. They're like, what are you? <laughs> you know, cause they just really don't it's like, I might as well be speaking French. There's just no comprehension. And for that to be, you know, understandably it used to just make me bitter, but I realized that that, because it's unfair and it still is unfair to this day. But I also feel like a lot of the work that I do is educating the world about people like me, because this is where we are. Right. There's no alternate universe where people like me are more understood. So if I can make it better for somebody else, you know, I get let's let's do it. Right. Might as well do it. Get down yeah. to it. And yeah. I love that spirit from you too. And how you have to to treat yourself in certain ways to make that possible. Yeah. No, there's a lot of self-care that goes under this hood. I like to. The world famous yes. Bob has a great uh, phrase she uses. It's basically like she is high maintenance. She's like, she's not, I'm not a Toyota Corolla. I'm a classic, uh, you know, pink Cadillac or something like that. And it requires a lot of maintenance. She's like, but I maintain myself. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. And to bring it full circle, that's why the boundaries are sometimes necessary. So you have the time and space to do that. 100%. Um, Jeffrey, are you an introvert or an extrovert? You know, I'm a B Arthur. 
B. Arthur was really incredibly famous on TV and very extroverted, but also had this incredibly, um, that her fans never really knew about this vibrant interior introverted life. And she was quite shy as a person. And I, I'm sort of like that, it's a balance of both. I mean, obviously I don't care. I have a diva ring light. <laughs> um, so that probably means I'm mostly extroverted, but it's, I really enjoy my quiet time. So, yeah. Yeah, you nourish yourself a lot. Um, do you still, and you you told me this when you were living in New York and we talked about this in the pre-roll, but I just want to talk about your walks. And like, yes. do you still go every yes. day on a walk? Sure do. I do at least seven miles in the morning. Wow. To walk. It's a time for, believe it or not, it's like a waking meditation time for things to settle mm -hmm. that they can't they don't really do when I'm asleep because I'm asleep and they can't really do when I'm doing my day stuff and it really is the space and time and it's a metaphor too I guess of just you know putting one foot in front of the other but things kind of work themselves out and I'm a witness to it does that make sense oh it totally makes sense and is my experience like back when you and I had that conversation, I didn't have a daily walk practice, but now mm. I do. I do mine usually around golden hour um, as a way. Oh, that's lovely. I right. It's that. like it's a palate cleanser in my day where I can um, synthesize because I do a lot of learning in the last year and a half. I feel like I've, I've been as intellectually rigorous as when I was in law school, which has been really mm. good for me and my brain chemistry. And I need that space and time to, and Don Maxwell says this, he's like a big leadership coach. And he says he, he needs at least 30 minutes of alone time every day, like specifically alone time to review, reflect and synthesize. And I think that's what my walks do. And that sounds like that's what your walks do for you too. Yeah, it really is that, you know, I, I used to anyway, fall into the trap that I, I need to actively do the synthesizing, but it really is just a space for things to connect um and grow and then have space yeah yeah absolutely um jeffrey do you identify as femme sure <laughs> what's the context i'm curious oh, you mean like in the same way that you do i mean yeah i mean for me femme is like a gender expression um and it's like kind of it's part of the gender multiverse and includes all the planets right i think all the planets can also be femme uh, but also there's like a way in which like, I don't care about the male gaze, but I will dress for femmes. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's like, like today I was telling sure. you as we got on this, I put on my Wonder Woman glitter just to like add a little sparkle. Cause I was going to see you. And like, I want to sparkle a little harder <laughs> for the femmes in my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> Femme gaze. We want you to sparkle more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. And you know, I actually love, so it's a, it's a really interesting conversation that a lot of people are having now because women's only spaces want to start including non-binary people. Mm -hmm. And how do they do that in a way that women who were assigned female at birth feel safe if non-binary people who were assigned male at birth are included in these events and spaces, right? And so people are navigating all of this stuff, I think in a beautiful way and opening up conversations. And uh, in those conversations, people like me are usually referred to as trans femme. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And I actually, I don't mind it. And someone who might be non-binary, but assigned female at birth would be trans mask as sort of like a nod to what you're going, where you transitioned from kind of. But of course, as you, you and I have talked about many times, I mean, these words don't really mean anything, do they? <laughs> they're not definitive. It, like, I mean, every they're time not you, definitive. So. Whenever you draw a line that involves someone's body, you know, like you're you're drawing a line through a body, and there's just no denying human diversity and the fact that you cannot possibly categorize all of human diversity. It gets straw manned, straw humaned, yeah, as well. Like as if I have never, just for clarity's sake, I've never met a trans person that denies that there are penises and vaginas in the world, <laughs> right? But conservatives want, want people to think that we're just that kind of out there, whatever they want people to think, right? But there, I, I've, I, I've, I guess they exist. I don't know who they are, but I've never met like an anti-science trans person because I'm, I'm not in those circles, I guess. Yeah. But certainly it's not, that's not the conversation we're having. We're having the idea that there is there is a soul, there's a personality, there's a there's a whole lot more to gender than people with a penis take out the trash. People with a vagina, what do they do? Do the dishes. I as someone who like really never never does do dishes. dishes. <laughs> I'm like, I do my dishes because I have to, because I want to take great care of myself. Begrudgingly. I, yes, I actively fantasize about when I can have someone come in and do my dishes for me, like all the time. I try to what enjoy this, it as a mandala. What's the step when you're, when you're mega rich, you're going to hire someone to come in and do your. Yes. A hundred percent. Like it's basically okay. like I, I, there are visions of different people I want to work. I want a personal chef, even though I love to cook because at a minimum, I want someone to just do all the prep and then I can come in and do the cooking. And then someone else can do the. Oh, that's good. Right. Do the things that you like to do out of the things, right? That's what money does. Money literally is only options um, and choices. It's just a tool. It's not good or bad. It's just a tool. And I can't wait to use it as yes. a tool to not have to do my dishes and spend more time connecting with the people I love and teaching uh, people how to glow up and get free. Yeah. And to be happy. To be happy. And, and be to happy. join the dance party of a life. Exactly, exactly. Jeffrey, when you talk about your clients, what kind of client work do you offer? I do individual Zen coaching. Ooh. And I also give workshops, uh, much like you do. Mine are not a dance party, but they're in the context of Zen Buddhism and the way that I was trained at the monastery where I studied. And it's one of the most fulfilling things to do because both you and I do social media as well. And that's a whole nother skill set and a whole nother um, relationship yep. of like, and you, you talked about making that connection through, you know, the little camera. But if I'm on Zoom one-on-one -on -one with someone and we're having a deep touching conversation, I mean, that's a whole nother level of connection that I really love. Yeah. You know? It's so, what's been really fun in this, um, pandemic time is uh even before it's so funny because even before the pandemic <laughs> uh for those of you listening to this jeffrey is uh mimicking my my gestures and making me giggle 
Um, pandemic time. You did. You had this grand arm yeah. gesture. Yes. Pandemic time. The gesture is a rainbow. Uh, and that's I. That's what I could see. <laughs> Sparkly like pandemic time font. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but like I, before pandemic time, I had moved rurally. So I live in the forest now, um, having lived in LA and before that New York city. So I kind of know your trajectory from New York city to LA. Um, mm -hmm. and I, uh, really noticed just in terms like 2019 was my year of data. And that year I really learned, oh, when I make a real connection with one to three people a day, my vibe lifts up. Like I'm happier. I'm like brighter. Um, and that is just from the, the process of having a good connection with somebody as a, as a woman who now lives alone, right? Like totally alone. Like my mom's down the street. So there is human connection, but like, I just noticed that. And so I was on the hunt to like, let me just catch up with everyone I know. And then pandemic happened yeah. and more people are at home. Right. I was like, oh, this happened for me. Cause I wanted to catch up with everyone I know. <laughs> and now everyone's at home. Uh, it and it, it works kind of, I mean, there's still like people who have small children who are never available because they're very overwhelmed sure. for good reason. Um, but like, I just noticed that like having all these connections helped me grow more as a human. And like, and it doesn't matter if it's like on, I love the connection of on stage and I do, I do freaking miss it. I miss audiences. I know you do like, and getting to be oh. a girl and sparkle and do those things. Oh and gatherings yes. and Shabbat dinners and all the things, all the things that we used to get to do. But like now in pandemic times, like just making those connections and, and nourishing myself in that way. Like, I don't know, like I've just noticed how much I need people and I need that connection. And like also the growth and seeing how people change over time. I don't know, that's just been like kind of a beautiful Thing I've realized and I'm just curious for you like is there anything in pandemic times that like has really lit you up a little bit or realized like as part of your nourishment that wasn't there before well let's start with um this conversation you really did lift my spirits today Aww. helped me feel good so yeah you kind of don't understand how the FaceTime and we're on Zoom, and neither of them are sponsoring this podcast. But you know how the literal two words FaceTime with people is, is just such seeing. You know what's convenient about you, Bevan? Um, you reflect back the goodness in people. And if you don't consciously seek out that reflection back, you can start to slip. You can start to forget it a little bit. And especially people like us, where we're, we're usually the good in the dynamic to be able to spend time to get, and I'm not dissing everybody on earth. I'm not saying better than other people. I'm just saying we like to bring goodness and light into, into rooms. Mm -hmm. And so we're usually in that role, but to, have, to get together with, with you is really special. Thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, Jeffrey, thank you for reminding me that I delight and this is special. It's always so special to get to connect with you too. Um, I'm curious, like, is there, so in your coaching, is there like a tool? Cause it's funny. Cause yeah. I do a little bit of coaching myself, mostly in the realm. And mostly I just do Reiki. I prefer to kind of like have a Reiki relationship. With no, people, I saw. Yeah. Right. And just really just like seeing where the Reiki needs to go. And then like coaching kind of through that, but 
in it, but when I was doing more formal, like body liberation coaching, there was usually like a few, yeah. like two or three tips that I could give to anybody that I think brought value. And it kind of depended on the person and the connection, what that was. So I'm curious, like what tools could you offer here that are things that help with your coaching clients that might like help liberate people a little bit? Cause I think you're also a liberator. Yeah. Um, shall I just tell you the whole secret yeah. and people don't have to do coaching with me. They can just skip it. Great. Um, <laughs> I'm always constantly helping people learn how to see. So in the Zen tradition, it is never about giving advice to people. One of the paradigms which we kind of um, hit on earlier in the conversation is that so much about TV and books and whatever is about fixing you. Zen Buddhism, Buddhism is absolutely not about that. And so there's no advice to give because you don't need to be fixed. But what I'm helping people do instead of find a solution to their problem, I'm helping them to take the things out away from their eyes and their vision to see the problem in a new way not just a new way i'm going to i'm going to tell you everything Bevan, because i love you oh. what the things that we're ripping out is almost 90 not almost 99.99999 percent of the time it's self-hate so you're looking at a problem and you think it's your fault because there's something wrong with you and so all i'm trying to do is help people take that part out of it and see whatever they want to decide without it meaning something about their worth. That's that's really all the coaching is. Oh my goodness. So just do that and you don't have to do coaching with me. <laughs> I mean, here's what, I'm a person who like kind of firmly believes in therapy and coaching as a lifetime endeavor because I'm a person who is a life learner and a grower and you are always too close to, your, to the forest to see your own trees. And so, or too close to the tree Correct. grown forest. And so coaches right. come in with the site, right? And so basically what Jeffrey is saying is that they come in and they can clearly see what's going on for you and help you to like, and, and it's, it's almost like bringing someone up to your vantage point and being like, I understand why you're feeling this way. Cause I have to, and bringing them up to with you to see like from Simba's rock or whatever, the whole of your land. <laughs> like what it really looks like and how much love there is there. It's, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, and how it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person, worthy of rejection, right? But the other thing that I also do that both of us do, I am going to speak for you now, because oh, um, I, I assign specific assignments and I, I ask people to do, to really practice and experience certain things. Mm. I also help people to know what that, what that path is, to get to the rock where they can see mm -hmm. so that they do not need me. Yeah, It's very interesting because a lot, a lot of folks in therapy and coaching, whatever, it's, it's almost designed to create that dependency. Mm -hmm. And I want people gone. <laughs> it sounds awful, but I want, I, I want people to be able to do it themselves so that we're not coaching anymore. And it's a very different energy and I hope people appreciate it. It's creating people to have their self-cleaning oven. Right, exactly. Right? 
and giving them tools and skills to do that. I think that's also, I want people out there who are healers and in a healing profession to really hear what Jeffrey's saying, because like that work, um, to know and understand and accept that your work is complete with someone is actually beautiful because like, there's so many people who have come through faculty dance party only one time, but it changed their mm-hmm. life because they saw a new, a new way of being in their body. There are people who've been, yes. right? and there are people who've been to faculty dance party for a season in their lives. I've watched them grow. And now they're doing like really badass physical shit, like CrossFit and like other like Iron Man, like people are like out there blowing my mind about what's possible in the in a in a body, let alone a fat body, right? Like just from the bravery of learning how to be just on the dance on my dance party floor, right? Like and it's it's a healing, right? And it's and it's to set people up to go and be brighter in the world in whatever way they're supposed to be. Yeah. So when people email me, I tell them it's an eight week commitment. We could talk at the end of the eight weeks about what you want to do, but that really is, I find that to be the most fulfilling work mm-hmm. is to spark in somebody. And I know you feel, I hope, I think you feel the same way, but to spark in somebody the forking of their path and then they go live it, right? I want to be in that fork. Yes. I don't want to be, you know, the kind of person who's like, holding their hand and taking them all the way through the end of the fork. I, I, that's not, that's, I don't, I, I just don't want that, but yeah, I think you feel the same way. We I, like to inspire. I do. I like, <laughs> I, I mean, truly, this is why, like my mission in life used to be to make the world safe for people to love themselves. And the original mm. intention of that was because we had, we have such a hostile world to self-love. I was like, I got to change these systems. And then eventually I realized the real freedom is in like doing the work yourself and glowing up yourself. And so then I was like, oh, making the world safe for people to love themselves is about teaching people how to love themselves in spite of a hostile world or inside of a hostile world. And then I eventually changed it to, I help leaders get free in their minds and bodies because I believe it's about freedom and it's about self-leadership. Because I mean, at a minimum, you're always leading yourself. And I had to lead myself to start moving all the time. I had to lead myself to start to do the dreams that were on my heart and to be in the jolly free fall of like, you know, living on the edge of, of monetary stuff. Right. And like, but knowing that like, I'm in a bigger purpose and, and that like it, the more people I help, like getting free, like through faculty dance party and all the other things that those people go out and exponentially create that like I feel like I, I have a shot of, of affecting humanity you know by allowing yeah. it to just be exponential I really don't ever want you to gloss over queer fat kid dance party <laughs> just linguistically I know it's been you know in your lexicon for a really long time but I think every one of those words you know it's funny I'm, it's just fat kid dance party. It's not queer fat kid, but queer. It's, it's just oh, from a queer well, place because it's by a queer person who lives. I think in, maybe like, I'm projecting. That's what I want. But well, <laughs> you can always. Here's what I'll make a special T-shirt just for you, Jeffrey. When you're in my next workout video, that says queer fat kid dance party. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. I was when I was young. When I was in high school, I was a fat kid myself. Oh. We never talked about that, did we? We never talked about that. I didn't realize. 
Yeah, it was it was um, a great time of feeling alone and and self hate and stuff too. So yeah, I think it's for me yeah. like fat kid dance party is I think because everybody has the experience of being a fat kid, whether or not you ever had um, adipose tissue. Like it's more it's more to do with the experience of feeling othered and left out um, because mm-hmm. so much of growing up as a fat because I was fat born fat. Like I don't have a conscious knowledge of my body without adipose tissue and I knew immediately that it was wrong um and that my body was a failure and like having right like having to bloom out of that uh was some of the hardest work I ever did but certainly the best work I ever did um and I want to reclaim middle school for people this is why like the music is so important in fact a dance party because it's nostalgia and it's using nostalgia for art and healing connecting to experiences yep and a body that you maybe hated at the time, but now you're more free and you're more embodied, or at least you're risking the feeling of faking it till you make it that you're free and like, you know, using airplane arms or in your bedroom on a Zoom, who cares, right? Like you're just having fun being free. Which are like that? Yeah, like, like if you were a three-year-old, oh, like just like running around, and I learned so much from little kids. If you're ever around a little kid, just watch what they do with their body because they're free. They don't have any idea of how mm. to have a body other than their free little instincts. And probably three out of five moves I copy from a little kid uh, are fun. <laughs> I feel like I kind of want to go for a run with airplane arms. Now. Yeah, with airplane on your walk tomorrow. I do it actually. Okay pretty I my my walks are frequently dance walks um and I do sometimes just catch music and just start sailing my airplane arms down the path and Mm. I'm alone I'm not in Los Angeles so (laughs) Jeffrey I don't care what people think I'll do it anyway I want to make sure I ask you about this just because I love the way you talk about Wonder Woman but will you tell us about your love for Linda Carter's Wonder Woman and how that helped you as a as a young person and then now how you draw strength and joy from it as a a grown healer magic maker well there's oh gosh i mean it's such a big subject there are so many things to talk about so we could talk about you know um the creator and the creator's life who and and his family uh makeup um, but besides that, uh, I want to specifically talk about Linda because I love her. She was an inspiration to me because she was glamorous and strong. And she, I was born seven seven seventy seven, So she was in syndication um, when I was a little kid and she'd come on in the afternoon. And the idea, oh my gosh, just one thing I'm, re- I'm realizing from you asking me is that there was, she could spin and change her look. I'm just realizing now that that was the most wonderful thing I could ever think of in my life. And I used to go in the backyard and spin. Wow. Um, perhaps with airplane arms, I was spinning. Can I just it's really real quick that of course swirling is a form of prayer in a lot of circles so to speak uh so just you know adding there a lot of circles (laughs) yes um i think i was praying how about that yeah and there is something so powerful 
<clears throat> I'm getting choked up thinking about it. There's just something so powerful in her being the mistress of her own destiny that way. I'm talking, I'm talking specifically about the twirling and the magic and the change, but also the way that she could deflect what bad guys were giving her was also a complete metaphor for me growing up. And I didn't necessarily, I, I wasn't necessarily strong enough to be able to, uh, 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 the haters, um, but I was strong enough like we've been talking about this whole time to be myself. And I've realized as I've grown up that that is its own kind of a lasso of truth because other people feel comfortable to then, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've always been, I've had that face where people just tell me everything, right? And it is that comfort level with myself that I think projects out and becomes a lasso of truth that, in Linda's world was forced on the bad guys. But in my particular world, it's just an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow, I love that. That's a beautiful reflection. Excellent job, A plus. Uh, and by the way, I mean, not to, cause I think, I mean, obviously she was a sex symbol and she's wearing almost nothing, right? Part of the point of the show is that she's this kind of traditional, whatever ideal of beauty. So if we set those things aside for just a moment, I really admired that she could do all the things she did in heels and looking cute and right? Tackling bad guys and leaping over cars and but looking amazing at the same time. That was always something to admire, I thought. Yes. Um, and also like that her greatest weapon was the truth. Exactly. Because again, like, just like I said earlier, like being authentic is kind of the easiest thing to do. And, but it's just using the truth as your strength. Indeed. Oh um, yeah, I guess you're saying that her superpower was the truth. Yeah. That was her whole deal. Yeah. Wow, yeah. no wonder we like her. Right? Um, also, did you see Wonder Woman 1984? I have not yet. I know the reviews not. were kind of mixed, so I thought, I don't know. Okay, well, I'm here with my review. I loved it. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, I love Gal Gadot. I think she's charming and uh, oh yeah, and mysterious. And there's something that I think really resonates in the Wonder Woman brand. Linda Carter makes an appearance in the movie. Um, it was here's why people didn't like it. It was campy, and people don't mm. like camp in their superheroes. I love camp. I think camp is a super superpower. So <laughs> okay. And it was also so I have like, to go watch it. I know. And it was like all about the eighties in this way that was very like bright and bubblegum. And I was like, this is a really idealized version of the eighties. It didn't really look like this, but then I'm thinking, well, actually it's kind of like a cartoon version of what the eighties were. Um, and the villain was really good. The villain was very like, um, just very full of eighties cliches and like, and honestly it was a weird villain. Cause he really came from a position of wanting to help other people. I think deep down, uh, but mm. it was really mixed up in what power meant and what money meant. And like that, uh, it, it's metaphysical. There's a, there's a whole storyline. The main storyline is about crystals, which is like very woo for me. Anyway, yeah. I loved it. But I am in California. So right? let me go for it. 
exactly and the thing that reminded me of what you were saying about wonder woman is that she said they said this a couple times in the movie just to deflect her being having superhuman strength that she says like when she tosses a man away from her she's like oh it's i'm it's just self-defense tricks i'm just using his strength against him and like that was mm. like his force like the nastiness and like pushing it away it's uh well you and i know how to do that don't we yes we do jeffrey thank you for being here thanks for sharing your wisdom is this your wrap-up voice this is my wrap-up because <clears throat> it's been it's now been an hour so <laughs> we gotta leave that's enough time. i guess yes, we'll do it again uh our, okay. our friendship continues to endure and i'm excited to check in again and also um everyone get jeffrey's book how to be you um and i'll put a link to it below oh i love that you have it right there look at how cute it is it's such a cute book it's a perfect book to keep in your bathroom um just yes it is it really is and it's full of great journal prompts if you want to like go on an actual self-exploration mission i have enjoyed it um there's just like wonder woman you can make your own cape exactly, exactly. but there's um there's an intimacy with a bathroom book i think your guard is down and you that is really what I wanted. So I'm glad you did that and yeah. said that. Um, it gets dusty if it's in your bathroom, so you gotta wipe it off, but. Sure, <laughs> as all objects do. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but also I'm gonna put lots of links of how to get to Jeffrey uh, in all the social channels and whatnot uh, so that you can- The audio book for How to Be You is coming, so. That's exciting. Did you perform it? Mm-hmm. Did you have I, we're, we're record no we're, <laughs> we're recording this week so i'll be in my closet in my home in los angeles so perfect month to record in los angeles because it's not too hot so you don't need the air right because uh, they they don't like that they, you got to sweat a yes. lot hvac noise no no yeah yeah oh, they're real bad I'm so excited. I have friends who've written books who had to audition to do their own audiobooks. So I'm excited they just trusted your your performance. Is that true? I actually had, I, I don't know if it was my literary manager or what, but I had in the paperwork that I was, I got to refuse first. Great. So we turned the tables on Penguin for a moment. <laughs> Hot tip to all the writers out there. That's good. Actually put it in your in your thing. I mean, if you want to read your audiobook, if you listen to any of Andy Cohen's audiobooks, he complains about the recording process of all of them. So I'm like, why don't you let someone else record them? <laughs> oh yeah, that's interesting. But that's interesting. I it's I think the best part about celebrity memoir is getting to hang out with them while they read their book. So right. um, that's the point. <laughs> it is the point. Um, yay. So how to be you plus all the things, plus Zen coaching. Um, it's jeffreymarsh.com, right? That's right, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, marsh.com. Yay. Okay, thank you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for all you do in the world. Thank you for all you are. Thank you for all of the things you've had to go through in order to become mm. who you are um, and sustain who you are. Because staying in, you know, in the public eye on social media is, slings and arrows and so <laughs> thank you yes normally i would deflect all of those compliments but i'm just going to say you're right yeah. <laughs> i love you, you. i love you too Beth.